This week on The Zone of Truth, Griff and I have the entire HLP crew on to discuss book two of Carrying Crown, Trial of the Beast, up through the climactic final encounter with Dr. Malice and Larry's brother. We share our thoughts on book two as a whole, dive into some of our favorite moments, and of course, answer some listener questions. I'm your host, Steve, in studio with your GM and my co-host, Griffin. Roll a will save. You're in the zone of truth. And we're back. We're back. Finish book two. Yeah. I can't believe it. It's only been 80 episodes. It's been 80 episodes. <laughs> 80 some episodes would say, in the making. Some would say that's too long to do two books of an AP, but we would say we took our time. Yep. We saw the sights. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I think we're better for it. We're just getting started, Griff. A third of the way through the AP. So you guys have at least 240 episodes, I imagine. Yeah, I mean, none of the books after books one and two get longer. Yeah. At this rate, I'm going to be nearly 30 by the time we're done. That's old. Yeah, that is fucking old, That's fucking old. (laughs) Do you know our listener base? You guys are fucking old listeners. A lot of people. (laughs) Wow, I would really hate myself if I were 30 right now. Um, But... (laughs) Got him. <laughs> I want to know what you're drinking, Griffin. So, our buddy Chris, you guys have heard him before, was nice enough to find me some Angel's Envy at the liquor store. So, I'm drinking a little bit of Angel's Envy. It's been a while since I've been on the bourbon mm. on air. That is a fact. Um, I myself am drinking one of my Maplewood beers. This is a Brownie Points. It's brown ale with vanilla. I had one of these several, several episodes ago, and I've been holding on to them because I don't have very many of them, and they're really good. You can't get them around here. So uh, I need to put this back in the koozie. I'm doing a really terrible job out of it. Yeah, I mean, people love to hear this. This is Get it up near this, the mic. This is, yeah, this is worthwhile. This is radio. This is worthwhile. You know, uh, it seems like our guests haven't been on for a while because they're really digging, speaking out of turn. Mm. I wonder who's here. All right, let's start from the top. We we got to scrap this all because I talked early. This week on The Zone of Truth, Griff and I. (laughs) Just kidding. All right, we have the entire gang here to celebrate the end of book two. Hey, guys. Hello. Hi. Can I talk now? I wish you couldn't, but sure. (laughs) Okay, thanks. (sighs) As always... You being very nice to your girlfriend. Yep. Um, so let's just kick it off. Haley, what are you drinking? I am drinking a Mountain Java Moonshine and coffee. Ooh, that's a dangerous combination. That stuff's uh, really good. It's so good. And it's like right like mid-afternoon. It's perfect time for a cup of coffee. Just add some alcohol in there and it's great. I see some uh, some whipped cream over there really going for decadence. Oh, yeah. No, this was a like treat myself drink. Hell it's more yeah. like a frap. <laughs> it's an HLP frap. HLP frap, boozy frap. <laughs> yep. Uh, Emily, I see you got a pretty cool cup over there. What are you drinking in it? Yeah, I'm using my mermaid cup, and inside I have a chamomile gin and tonic, and it's gin from Watershed Distillery. They make uh, amazing alcohols, and the chamomile is a great balance with the gin. 
Emily, are you moving in on my my position as the primary gin consumer here on the show? Definitely not. I will only drink it now if it has chamomile in it. <laughs> She's wow. a primary chamomile gin drinker. <laughs> Fucking just dunked on me. All right. Uh, Brooks, saving the best for last, of course. Let me hear that Brooks Campbell energy that you bring to every recording. Oh, thanks, Steve. I really appreciate that. I am drinking High West Whiskey, the uh, double rye, and uh, we all get to hear my favorite sound in the world. Pleasant. In retrospect, I probably should have waited to uncork mine. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well. Live and you learn. That's right. Maybe if you, I mean, ever drink enough uh, whiskey or bourbon as much as I do, Griffin, I I think you'll understand. (laughs) thanks for for trying to gatekeep me out of drinking whiskey (laughs) yeah but i mean i guess for all of our listeners yeah clearly griffin drinks more bourbon and whiskey than i do so well clearly we we're only what maybe three minutes deep into this episode there's a lot of hostility around the table uh as always griffin versus Haley, me versus emily brooks versus griffin um it's shaping up to be a real hlp brawl and with that in mind I'm going to kick on Sirenscape. This is coming from the Tavern Brawl sound set, and this subset is The Band Wants In on the Action. (laughs) (laughs) Well, how how else does the uh, Tavern Brawl get started? That's right, the band gets rowdy. The band gets rowdy. All right, well... Everybody listening at home, at least if you're staying up to date with your HLP releases, you'll hear that this has come out a little late on your timeline. That is intentional, because otherwise it would kind of awkwardly come out between part one and part two of the finale. And we all are pretty jazzed about how that finale went, so we want to talk about it. Speak for yourself. Uh, I know you're a little let down. (laughs) But we are going to get to the finale. However... I want to talk about everyone's top moments in book two. Like, what made this special for you guys? Looking back over the last... It was over 40 episodes, right, Griff? Because it wasn't 40 to get through book one. So, I think... So, book one, we did a couple of two-parters. So, if you want to compare the two, we had two two-parters. We ended it kind of on 31 was, like, the final fight. And then 32 was, like, you guys tying up loose ends and... Raven Grow and heading on the road. So, yeah, that would make this about 48 episodes, I guess. Yeah, about that. So, I mean, damn near a year's worth of content. And I just want to pull the group. What was everybody's favorite moment from those last 40-ish episodes? Um, looking across the table, let's go Emily. Of course, Lyra's funeral was one of the top moments for me so so touching uh just to see the party come together and also from our fans too just uh messages i received people's reaction to the episode it was so touching to see how impactful lyra was to the campaign and going off on that on a slightly different note my happier top moment of book two was winning the trial I felt, especially for Lyra, that was her motivation, her goal through all of that was getting the beast free. And she had to somewhat convince the rest of the party and definitely convince all of the townsfolk. And so being able to come out successful 
was huge. And of course, you mean, I mean, she beat a Divian, so can't get better than that. Yeah, we've, I mean, we talked about it on air, both on the show and uh, the Zone of Truth here, that just the the preparation that you put into that trial was, uh, I mean, it, it made the trial possible. It made winning the trial possible. And uh, it's a big feather in your cap that you pulled it off with some help from the rest of the team and some very clutch uh, profession gravedigger checks, if I remember correctly. Oh, uh, yeah, that, that made the trial. Yep. All right, let's go around the table here. Um, Haley. So this is like a very difficult question, and I want to just spell out really quick for the listeners why this is so difficult. Book two encompasses meeting all of our carnival friends, a trial, including investigations to three different locations, and it includes the entire Schloss dungeon crawl. That's that's like that's huge. That's not only does it feel like it should be a should have been two books. It it almost it, it was very very big impactful moments. So with that though, I think uh, yes, the sorry for your Schloss episode was amazing with the Lyra's funeral and everything. That was great. But I really really enjoyed the very end in episode eighty where it was just like Eclipse. I I seriously thought Eclipse was gonna die and. I was just kind of making preparations, so it was kind of a one of those moments where it was me mentally getting ready, and then uh, Matumbe and myself, uh, like so, Matumbe was there trying to make sure like I was okay and was saying a lot of stuff, uh, very, very nice, uh, sweet stuff, trying to make sure I'm okay. But at the same time, uh, Steve and I talked afterwards, and both he and I were ready and planning and potentially willing to sacrifice each other's characters to make sure the other like sacrifice our own characters to make sure the other character lived which i just think i don't know i think it's an amazing testament to like all of the changes in the the relationship building that's happened with uh two very opposite characters yeah absolutely i i agree with you on a lot of that i think over these last 40 plus episodes there's been a lot of odd changes between the two of us um i i can't help but think about when we had our big split the party episode and the two of us went off for a while and um matumbe monologued about all the crucifixion stuff and there was and it, it seems like we might be making some progress and then the lopper of course was the devil on eclipse's shoulder um and then it kind of felt like a little bit of a climax of these two people who really are very diametrically opposed, you know, and don't go out of their way to hang out or, or, or converse outside of combat and stuff, end up um, willing to sacrifice themselves for each other. And it was uh, it, it, it was a nice moment. It was good times. But then I got to ask, coming up next, Brooks, what was your favorite moment? Well, uh, it's pretty much already been said by the by the ladies to be honest uh lyra's funeral is fantastic the meeting the sarni and the carnies uh x uh story arc was like kind of got going a little bit and it that was really really fun for me um and so yeah it was extremely extremely fun to do all of those things the Vargoyle fight was definitely a big part of 
I don't know, of Ikmer and Matumbe further developing their yeah. relationship. Um, and Lyra's funeral, of course. And so it's it's hard to uh, to say anything more beyond what the ladies have already said. Understandable. Um, for, for what I wrote down for my personal favorite, I wrote down, um, of course, the entirety of episode 75, uh, Sorry for Your Sloss, which included, of course, Lyra's funeral, um, the the cool all of the ghosts talking to Lyra segment, which I think was pr- very well done. Um, some very uh, touching and understandable RP from Brooks, which I, I, I appreciated. Um, uh, uh, Ikmer just not being able to cope. I thought that was very interesting. Um, but because we've hit it a couple times, I also just wanted to highlight some stuff that may have fallen through the cracks a little bit. I thought it was super cool um, to bump into the wraith that had his like coat of eyes back in um, that one outskirt city. I can't remember where he took all the little kids' eyes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Way creepy. You forget yeah. about that kind of stuff because it was so long ago and it feels so different from this dungeon crawl that we've just done. Mm-hmm. But I thought that was very cool. Um, also, the siege on the town center where we were all protecting Larry in the basement and um, everyone was hopped up on hard cider. We had so many big, <laughs> we had so many big pivotal moments that I feel like some very genuinely cool moments like that. I don't want to say slip through the cracks because they didn't, but when we look back at book two, we remember some of these high, high highs, but we forget like the really other cool stuff in between them that I really liked. You know, none of us said uh, meeting Freya for the first time, so. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> Steve said all of episode 75. That includes that. That's about on par for how the party has treated her. Matumbe, generally decent. And then the other two. Uh. Excuse me, but Eclipse has been so fine with Freya. Like, she's she's warming up to her. episode, maybe, but she was trying. No, she wasn't. She was trying. She's trying now. Don't I definitely, try I definitely see it now. For your past behavior. After Freya's just dumping healing into everybody. Yeah, you're okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess you're fine. All right. Well, I guess it brings us to our GM here. Griff, you're the mastermind before uh, behind book two. Your big thoughts, man. Your favorites. I think... So I have, I have three highlights. And... Um, one is like kind of my my favorite funny moment that I think has lasted. Um, one is my favorite RP moment that I got to be a part of because you guys had too many to pick a favorite, honestly. And then finally, like my favorite reveal because there were a ton of them in book two. Yeah. Um, so my favorite funny moment was the introduction of Seymour Wiener. Um, again, He's just called Troll Troll Blood in the books. Like, he doesn't have a name. That was all just a goof (laughs) that has stuck around. Um, And again, just, like, getting you guys to shout Wiener (laughs) over and over (laughs) to, like, get him to help. For you, Griffin, I'm happy to. Yeah. Uh, My favorite uh, RP that I got to be a part of as an NPC was definitely the back and forth between Lyra and Adivian. Like, I could feel how how much you guys were like hating that character and it was just feeding my role play of that character um i think for me the most difficult role play that i had to do but a lot of people have reached out to me and said that it turned out 
was like actually trying to do anything as Barrister Koppel, mm. that voice was just like so hard to maintain <laughs> that um, it was good to hear that uh, it was well received. And then my favorite reveal, although there were a ton, was uh, was the Doctor Viv reveal. How have we not talked about that yet? Yeah, the Doctor Viv favorites. reveal at at the end of that episode, where like halfway through the episode, I was like, I'm pulling the trigger here. Flipped Emily a note. Nobody noticed the note, and then she just dropped it on you guys. Well, and you had been dropping hints for so long. I'm sure it was even before, like. I even caught on to it, but it was a long time that that was building that Dr. Saloom was Dr. Malice. Yeah, it was it was definitely teased out for a long time. But that was only in our circle for the most part. And so I guess for the listeners, I'm sure it was so completely different and much more blindsidey. Yeah, I think I think you had the whole gamut of like some people felt like they were figuring it out. Uh, some people again were completely taken off guard by it. I try. I definitely tried to drop hints. Uh, I think especially in that one episode where Eclipse is having those uh, visions from the object reading that were concerning Doctor Malice. Yeah, there were definitely people on the Discord that were asking if it was Vivian that was causing a lot of the things happening in the campaign, and I had to be very quiet, which was difficult because it was exciting that she was coming into the scene yeah i think i told you right before we recorded like episode 33 or something way back at the beginning of book two yeah i knew for a long time and it was difficult to keep quiet yeah it was exciting to see her come back and um i'm not excited to see her come back in the future (laughs) (laughs) Because we will definitely be seeing more of her since she disappeared at the end of the last episode. Very creepy. But, guys, I I, I say this every time, but we do have a lot to cover. So we're going to keep moving on. I want to hit really quick this uh, this final fight that we just had. So was it 79, 80? 79 and 80. 79 and 80. Um unnamed episodes yet but i'm but obviously by the time this out we'll have a cool name for them um let's talk about this fight guys so this was the big culmination of book two just surface thoughts what did you guys think of this fight anybody can shout it out overall i was a little bit nervous going into the fight because i had some split motivations I guess I would say I obviously wanted our party to come out in the end but I also really love Vivian and I wanted her to have a cool interesting role and be a strong character because that's how I tried to build her Uh, so I was a little bit nervous on how it would play out but I was really excited to see that dynamic and get to fight against one of my own characters Brooks I saw you chomping at the bit for a second there what, what were you thinking about this uh, this encounter well first of all I just have a comment comment on what Emily was saying she was uh, trying to play both sides um, she dressed up as uh, Dr. Malice for the episode <laughs> I'm playing both sides my no 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 I Vivian has been around longer than Freya. I have a pretty deep connection with her. I have the costume. 
It was, I can't remember exactly when it happened. It, it might have been during an episode or in between part one and part two of the fight, but you just like very surreptitiously put on the lab coat. <laughs> and I'm just like, come on. It was uh, once Vivian appeared and stabbed Matumbe and like came into the fight, I, I put on the lab coat. That was a nasty hit, too. That kept me bleeding for a long time. I was not happy about it. All fight, man. Yeah. I, for one, um, really appreciated that this fight forced us to do um, something that is generally uh, dissuaded in TTRPGs. We just absolutely had, without a doubt, had to split the party. Two people focus on one thing, two people focus on the other. And the coolest thing that I liked was that it was this vertical combat where one, where something that happens in one fight has a very direct impact in the other. This makes me think of conclusions to a lot of like sci-fi movies where there will be spaceships flying around and on the planet there's a ground battle and like separate from the ground battle your heroes are facing off you know what i'm saying there's yeah. these multi-tiered big climactic battles very these, rogue one very rogue one i was gonna say star wars but i wasn't going to because i didn't want to get you know uh we all know what you're thinking yeah that's what i was thinking okay fine but <laughs> but it felt to me like that and that made me very excited i really liked it yeah, I thought it was kind of amazing to have this uh, this very different style of fighting as well as like all of us had brand new abilities going into this fight and for some of us significantly different abilities going into the fight, uh, which I think really changes our game as well as you're learning those new abilities at the same time. It felt like... Um, it was, it was kind of overwhelming and also it felt very intense because you're trying to manage both this insane split party aerial combat and ground combat and everything has affected it all of that while trying to manage I have basically a brand new character sheet and I have to like know everything on it. Oh, intense for you, Haley? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm was sure it? it was also was intense it for you, intense? Griffin. Was it? Well, I, I, I guess that's a pretty natural segue. Griffin, what did you think about this combat? Oh, I loved it. Yeah. I, I knew exactly what I wanted this combat to be, and you guys delivered. Was it hard for you to run? No. No? I have prepped this for way too long. Uh, yeah, I knew exactly when Viv was going to come in. I took Emily aside, and I was like, hey, now that we know where your character is, and you're not going up the ladder, I need Viv to say something when I bring her in, so say this. Very cool, very cool. And what exactly were we fighting? And obviously with Viv there, this wasn't a by-the-book finale to book two. It was a little no, different. No, so as written, you guys would be level six going into this, and you would fight the Aberrant Promethean, the Beast Brother, and the Beast wouldn't be with you, which he was, um, you would have to use the Bond Slave Thrall to get him to show up 1d4 rounds later. So you'd be going toe-to-toe -to -toe with that thing for a couple of rounds. thing I kind of hated about the way this encounter was written for book two, and listeners, if you're running Carrying Crown, I suggest adding some sort of mad doctor to this, kind of like we did, because the fight feels very, like... NPC versus NPC that like I'm controlling one NPC and it's fighting, you know, the main villain and it doesn't feel very satisfying for the players. 
correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like you guys were pretty damn satisfied after that, after actually playing a role in that combat. Besides Dr. Viv getting away and Eclipse not being able to slice her throat, yeah. Well, you had to know that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> no, I knew that was going to happen. I'm just kidding. It was a hot, it was so satisfying. Yeah, it was fantastic. I loved it. Loved it. It was perfect. Yeah. And we all survived, which was pretty cool. I know um, there was a lot of buzz from some people who have reached out to you who have run mm-hmm. Carrying Crown or yep. are running it, um, that this is a this is a killer. This is a tough one. It's a really deadly fight because the Aberrant Promethean does like 46 plus 9 and has a plus 25 to hit. So in those three rounds, you know, if you roll poorly on that when the beast shows up roll, mm-hmm. if you have to go against this thing for four rounds, it just... I mean, it can kill a player every two rounds. Easy. Okay, so that makes me wonder. Let's say the original trial went really poorly, and we were running it by the book. So mm-hmm. the beast gets burnt up in the Wicker Man, hashtag Wicker Man, and, um, and there's no wild doctor, but the four of us still have to fight this aberrant Promethean. Is there anything in the book to rebalance the encounter, or is it just this insanely beefed up dude versus four adventurers at level six? Uh, the beast never gets burned up. So that's a contingency. Oh. He escapes if you guys fail the trial, and they ask you to kind of go after him. Like like he invited you, uh-huh. Emberth would have asked you to like check up on the Schloss because she imagines that like the beast had some sort of connection with Karamark. Interesting. So, yeah. It, it, the way it's written, the beast has to be a part of the combat, I think, because it's scaled for that. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, if you think about this Aberrant Promethean, 46 plus 9, then it gets a free constrict. All right, it gets a grab attempt and then a free constrict on a plus 29 CMB roll, <laughs> uh, which almost auto grapples anybody. And then you're dealing with 8d6 plus 18, or yeah, 8d6 plus 18. And then it puts you in the tentacles, paralysis, continued constrict damage. It's just a killer. Like for the most of us, I think one potentially two round survivability. But come on. That's yeah, I mean, Ikmer was pretty much the only character that was gonna survive a couple rounds of that. Yep. I. I mean, I think the very first shot on the beast, the Promethean did what fifty. Damage. I mean, behind the screens, oh, the man. beast has like well over 100 HP. And in that last constrict, he was at 14 health and he escaped the grapple. Otherwise, if he didn't escape that grapple, the claw was just going to slice him directly in half. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, very first roll from from you it was very immediate on how dire this can be. So, yeah, I think I think in the book they actually give you like a DC 15 knowledge arcana check to know that this creature is way too powerful for you <laughs> which is not that high to figure out right. that it's way too powerful i mean it's a it's a cr plus five encounter when you're level six the encounter was still a like i mean without the beast and the beast was obviously a big help but it was still a cr plus five encounter by adding dr vivin and you guys being level seven so Well, a tough one. A tough one. 
We made it out. We are done with book two. We are looking towards the future. Before we talk about the future a little bit, Griff, I know you've been, like I said earlier, have been in contact with people who have played through this adventure, and you've also spent a significant amount of time reading through forums and stuff, discussing people's uh, experiences in this campaign. How would you say our campaign so far has compared and contrasted to theirs? So, um, do we seem to be doing well? Do other people seem to lose more PCs? Um, I I know from our discussion with the Wheeler Woe folks, they had a couple TPKs. Yeah, it's generally pretty TPK heavy from what I've read. The Splatterman usually TPKs groups. You guys did a good job of like actually investigating and leveling up before you went in. Some people fight him at level two and get wiped. Jesus. I couldn't imagine that. I mean, you can go straight to the prison. (laughs) You'd think a a GM would say, like, (laughs) would, like, try and pump the brakes in other ways, not to necessarily railroad you, but to deter you from committing character suicide. Um, The Aranus fight is a TPK a lot of times. Um, Usually you encounter that on the bridge. So somebody's on the bridge and... Um, how, how about the trial aspect of it? Do you hear people not spending so much time on it, spending more time on it? Um, it effectively was half, if not more than half of our book. And it's a very unique element to a Pathfinder adventure to have in there. I think you guys did very well with the trial. I, in general, I think home games probably aren't going to roleplay it that heavily mm-hmm. compared to what we did. A lot of the people I've heard playing it are making it through like multiple days of the trial in a session you know so we obviously role played it very heavily it's a courtroom drama book like if you're doing a podcast and you're not gonna play that kind of shit up like I don't know I don't know that I would listen (laughs) and then finally for you obviously I don't want to say that Carrying Crown is a particularly disjointed AP, but I know I've heard a lot of uh, feedback that it suffers a little bit from each book being a little siloed, very yeah. thematic in different ways. And you've introduced a lot of backstory and homebrew elements to tie it all together. Do you see other groups or have heard other groups struggle with that and how many people get around it? Do, does it really have to be homebrew or do you hear people just plowing through it? I mean, like anything, people will just plow through it. I mean, some people don't really give a shit about how jointed or disjointed an AP is. It just needs some tweaks. You guys will be much more satisfied when you, like, get to, like, the big bad than any group that ran it as played or as written. It's just, it suffers from the, like, find out who the big bad is in book six syndrome. And, um, and yeah, I mean, you don't even know the enemy, like, like now, obviously, we're doing the evil interlude and stuff, but realistically, what you guys really find out about the Whispering Way's involvement and stuff, like at the Schloss, without Haley's, without Eclipse's, like object reading, probably even further after that. Like when you talk to Caramark uh, eventually, like maybe you'll get some Whispering Way information. Yeah, because the the only information that we were given right was on some wasn't some of those books related to that and we didn't even hit the knowledge checks for it yeah exactly yeah okay guys well i really loved book two it may have been one of my favorite like ap individual books i've played through just because it was so different but yet still really cool and interesting um 
But when you think about it, like you said, Griff, it is a adventure centered around a courtroom drama. Likewise, you have book one, which is a big framing device for a haunted, like a haunted house story. Oh boy, I almost butchered that. Haunted house story. Haunted prison, Unique New whatever. York. I'm getting there. Um, so seeing that it seems like each one of these Carrying Crown books has a unique theme and unique monsters and stuff. Is there any teasing you can do for our listeners so they know what to expect um, for book three as like a like a thematic perspective? And also, can you reveal the name of book three's book title? Book three of Carrying Crown is called Broken Moon. And uh, you're going to find that each Carrying Crown book has a monster theme around it. First ghosts, then Frankenstein-esque monsters. This one is the double feature of all of the books. It's werewolves and basically a Night of the Living Dead uh, mashed up into one book. And uh, you're going to get a lot of investigation. You're going to have a lot of opportunity to role play. But this is where the chase begins. Like This is where you start chasing the Whispering Way. Does not let up until the adventure is over. This whole AP is a chase. I'm excited. Haley, Emily, Brooks, are you guys ready for the chase? Yes, of course. Detective Vickmer is on the case. Are you guys also excited for werewolves? Absolutely. Yes, I am excited about werewolves. Not so hype about the zombie stuff. <laughs> Didn't, uh, expected werewolves, not... The well, you know, those 50 villagers have to go somewhere. Uh, I need to pick up some new arrows before we start. <laughs> <laughs> Switch around. And on that note, though it may be a little early for us normally, I'm going to hop us right into our listener questions. Reason being, I reached out to our Discord community only a couple days ago for questions for this with the knowledge that we're finishing a book too and want to talk about it. And we got absolutely flooded with questions. We have a ton of them. We're going to have to go through them relatively fast to hit everything. Um, and we I honestly don't think we're going to hit everything. And a lot of this is going to roll into later episodes. Folks, if you submitted questions, don't worry. I have recorded them all. We'll get to them eventually. But with that being said, our very first question and the very first question we received um, comes from a newer listener to the show. I think he came over from uh, the, the Southern Tom Foolery fan base. This dude's name is Veridux on our Discord server, and he is asking, I love this question, how damp is your sponge after book two? Just bringing it all the way around from yep. the beginning of book two to the end. Absolutely. I'm going to say I got a pretty wet sponge over here. Like I said, it was one of my favorite Pathfinder AP books to date. Um, wet sponges. Let's go, Brooks. Oh, well, thank you. I feel that's very fitting as well, because I uh, would definitely classify myself as saturated and in need of a towel. Okay. So no different than normal. <laughs> All right, uh, Haley, sponge. I feel like I don't feel comfortable fully answering any of this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sponge is wet. Emily? Soaked with tears over losing Lyra, but it is saturated. <laughs> <laughs> and Griffin. You know what it is. Wet sponge, baby. Wet sponge is all the way around. 
Up next, we have one from Frequent Caller, Bipolar Pop-Tart. When will Freya's corruption track of rage against her hostile work environment come into place? Emily, go. As a dwarf living in Ustalov, Freya has dealt with an awful lot of racism and like not great situations. So she has pretty tough skin from all of that. It does seem like the group is starting to warm up to her a little bit. They're at least trying, which she can appreciate. Um, I still think she should submit a complaint to the HLP Ethics and Compliance Department, but we'll see if that actually happens. I give her like three nights of uninterrupted travel time with this group because right now there's been distractions if there's no distractions I give her like yeah. three days <laughs> yeah, if you want to just give me your backup or I could just kill the other three and then they'll bring something else in that has to work with you if you really like Freya you could pick that second choice <laughs> just let me know there could be bandits in the night I'm not opposed to it Wow, coup de grace all the way around. Oh, geez, what a it's, a... it's a bunch of dwarves from Freya's home village. <laughs> Came in oh coup de grace all of you. <laughs> Gave Freya all your shit. <laughs> I'm just just waiting for Freya to slip up one time, and Ikmer is back on the, the hating train. <laughs> oh, God. <sighs> it's a good thing she thinks of you as a child. She gives you a little extra slack. We got some heat on our Discord about giving uh, giving the cleric so much shit. <laughs> we're like, why would you ever do that? You need her so bad. Because we're all big dum dumps over here. Okay. Um, I actually have more questions from Veradux. He comes back and he says that he's still on the beginning of book two, so it's going to be a while before he catches up here. Um, so ignore me if these have already been answered. First of all, thinking back to book one, is there anything you would have done differently with character development along the way if you could do it again? The answer may be no for some of us, uh, but for me, the answer is yes. I... Um, Lately, in my like Matumbe flashbacks and his interactions with other people, I've been talking more and more about his family, um, specifically his wife. He has two sons and a daughter, um, who, of course, everybody knows is dead and is kind of like his reason for following for asthma. Um, I maybe would have talked about some of his family members a little bit more in flashbacks earlier. I think I did some uh, crucial work in establishing what kind of a person and his morality in some of my older flashbacks, but he is a, a family man and we're, we're building this little impromptu family almost a little bit. And I would have liked to hint at that a little bit more earlier, not really changed anything. Just moved up a timeline a little bit. Makes sense. Yeah. You made up for it in book two, I think. Sure. Thank you. Anybody else? Well, uh, you said it right away. It's a no for me. I would not do anything different. Ikmer, uh, he he needed to grow up, and he has been doing that, um, and he still has a long ways to go. Yeah, I don't I don't think that um, I would do much much different with Eclipse. Uh, maybe try to get a little bit more backstory in sooner. Um, I always wish I could do that though. Uh, <laughs> but um, the other thing though is I really think it's valuable and a lot of the stuff that I like to try to use for my character development and how I want my character to change, I like to use direct moments from what's happening now rather than a lot of the stuff from the past because I 
to me, I can relate to that more because it felt like I went through it. So I feel as though I can more adequately develop my character around that. So I think... I think I wouldn't change anything, um, except maybe I, it might be good to have given a little bit more backstory on like where, she, like she was before. But she was a private person previously, so uh, I'm. I was very happy with how Lyra grew <laughs> in uh, kind of going from book one to book two and really getting into her element. I feel like in book one, she wasn't quite as powerful uh, and into book two she had a more prominent role and I thought that was a nice development obviously it'd be cool to see where she was going to go I had a lot of plans for her which talked about on a previous zone of truth but I think there's still opportunities to tell that story it'll just be a little bit different now but I was very happy with how she was developing yeah I think you know you guys talk about starting the development sooner and that kind of stuff but I appreciate the way we've really slow burned the the development of these characters it's like we've we've started the I think as we've found our stride space out some of these backstory bits and these flashbacks and stuff in a way that I feel doesn't inundate the listeners too much with like flashback 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 backstory backstory like at the end of the day, the most important story you're telling is the one that we're all playing together. It's not what happened in your past. Trust me to bring up the shit that happened in your past if it's relevant. You know what I mean? And so I think you guys have done a really good job with that and with working with me to kind of, you know, keep these characters interesting. I wouldn't want everyone to know everything about Lyra before she died. That would suck. That wouldn't really be fun. And it wouldn't make people interested in where what's going to happen. Right, and I, I think if you knew every single thing about her when she died, that it it cheapens the emotional impact of her death because then it's like I, you know, why do you care about the character anymore? You know everything already, but it, you get you you get very sad for what could have been and what is what's given up on. Uh, Makes it feel more like a you know a real death. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, moving forward. If you could give any monster you fought the Darwin Award, what would it be? I gotta go with the Tower of Trolls, guys. Slip it on the steps. I don't think besides that we've had any like completely disastrous from Griffin's End encounters where monsters continuously roll nat ones and trip over themselves. I don't think that's really happened. Yeah, I don't think I any other think combat, combat has... Uh, almost required yakety sax playing in the background <laughs> yep. in that one. Uh, so that's that's definitely my vote. Uh, so I wanted to answer the question from a slightly different angle. Uh, not someone that we fought in combat, but someone that I felt like was a true monster in book two. <laughs> I think a Divion <laughs> deserves the Darwin Award. He deserves the Darwin Award. He's that stupid. <laughs> All right. He's actually pretty smart. He's smarter than Matumba, even. I, I know, but but he's a meanie and a sea cucumber, so he deserves it. <laughs> he, I mean, usually the Darwin Awards reserved for you know people that make stupid decisions and die, but that's it. Just, I, I, think like that's, I think that's the next HLP shirt, just a uh, sea cucumber with like a hi, my name is a bit. <laughs> 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 All right. Um, Brooks, I see we've got something written in our little agenda sheet here. 
Yeah, yeah. These uh, town folk uh, in from just every one of them from the trial, not being able to tell time and uh, the not being able to figure out the sequence of events was kind of the start of that. And then running after Larry and getting themselves turned into zombies. Uh, they deserved every bit of that. I would have also loved to see them, like, the entire horde of them try to cross one of the bridges. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. I mean, you yes. guys aren't home yet. <laughs> a, a, a total lemming situation. Yep, yep. One after the other. That would have been great. I mean, I just, I think that it's gotta, I agree with Brooks on this. It's gotta be those townsfolk, uh, specifically the ones that were in the trial itself, uh, played by Tim and Chris, I, I think. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. He's just alluding to the fact that Tim and Chris deserve a uh, Darwin Award. Um, <laughs> uh, no. Of course not. Uh, anyways, no, I thought, I thought, I thought they were, uh, both comic relief, but also in general, that was the mindset of the townsfolk, which was not intelligent. <laughs> Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, Griff, any thoughts on the matter? You want to move on? Nah, let's move on. I think you guys covered all the stupid enemies. <laughs> I thought so, too. Actually, from book one, I think, uh, and it's probably just because he was written that way, then he sucks, um, the Mosswater Marauder, super anticlimactic combat. Oh, yeah. We steamrolled that. Yeah. That was, like, pretty fucking lame. <laughs> I even, like, tried to beef him up, and it just wasn't happening. <laughs> okay, our next couple questions come from our good buddy Eric. You know him as 10 Lawn Gnomes on our Discord. First of all, he's asking if your characters each started a YouTube channel or Etsy shop, what would they do? Um, Matumbe would do the, like, uh, viral preacher thing. Oh, I thought he'd do uh, business for dummies. Ooh, that'd be good, <laughs> oh, too. That's good. Uh, yeah, either one of those, I think, are sufficient answers. Uh, let's go Emily here. Freya would have an Etsy shop that would sell healing crystals, but they would be magical, and so they'd actually be effective. Oh, you're really passionate about that. Yeah, see, like, healing crystals is a weird move because her channels taste like medicine. You'd think she'd be anti-folk uh, medicine. The, the non-medicine sells, though. She needs to make okay. some money. Snake Essential oil. oils. <laughs> <laughs> but but it works. Haley, where are you at? Eclipse would run a YouTube channel called Dealing With Your Inner Demons. Um, she would talk about how to deal with, uh, obviously, her inner demons, which she would have real real life in her, her head demons but she'd talk like it's general uh as well as she would probably have some sort of rip-off shop uh selling um items of the occult and she would give all of their haunted backstory that she learned from object reading and totally beef it up and yeah that would be oversell it oh yeah nice. oh yeah youtube channel has a larry or a uh Vance uh, segment. Close his eyes, just roll back, and it's the lopper for 10 minutes. That's awesome. I love it. And speaking of people, I love Ikmer. What would he sell? Uh, he, he would not have a YouTube channel. It would be no. a, a little bit too much exposure for him. Mm. But uh, as far as his Etsy shop, he would uh, do wood carvings. 
I think. Really? All right. Oh. I think so. It's been 80 episodes. This is the first time yeah, I, did, I didn't hear about this profession no, or crap. They would not be good. No one said anything about that. He's carving all of it. Yeah, just, yeah, like he would carve one object over and over and over again. <laughs> He would have a whole stockpile of it. None of it probably sell. It, we're over there making sexy pieces of driftwood. I was say, I just imagine him making like one wooden mug again and again yep. and again. And every time it's not watertight. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yep. That's awful. <laughs> yep, my broken, broken handle. Oh, I thank you guys. That made it even better. <laughs> Griff, I don't know if you wanted to jump in with an NPC or one of our players or something. This is up to you. We can move on. It's your choice. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this was a question for you guys. Sure. Okay. The NPCs have jobs, guys. <laughs> well, if Max could sell something, what would he oh, sell? Max would probably do a Costco YouTube channel <laughs> talking about the new products at Costco. All right, next up from our buddy Eric, is there anything besides holy text, spells, slash formula in Matumbe's book? Um... Short and unspoilery answer. Yeah, there's a lot. Um, he's got a whole lot of notes, and then I've got a couple things planned out that may or may not come to fruition on the show dealing with this book. It's very important to him. Uh, after that, we have a housekeeping item here, which um, we actually never discussed on air, and I do think it's worth talking about just to tie up some loose ends here. Um, what happened to Lyra's stuff? We definitely took all of the magical and valuable items off of her and have since distributed them. I think the the wand of lesser restoration that Freya used and the wand of cure light, those were both from Lyra. So she's continuing to use those. It seems a little bit wasteful to send Lyra off with a lot of really great loot. I don't know. You were okay, kind of. No, we would have stripped her. I I actually did mention on air that we did. Yeah. yeah. You were kind of worried. I remember you saying like you wanted her buried in the Manray cloak. I, I, <laughs> At some point, you'd said that. That was like got one, vetoed by the party. That yeah, was everybody. one thing that I thought would have been kind of cool, but that was just personal preference for the actual campaign. We should sell that. I'll give her another one in book. <laughs> Can't swim when you're dead. But she can. As as for some of the, the other important stuff, just quick and dirty, um, Matumbe took the crossbow and all the associated magical bolts. Obviously haven't, hasn't used them uh, since, but at least it gives him a range option just in case, because that's something my character absolutely lacks. Um, I believe Eclipse picked up something too, right? Or am I not right about that? I know Ikmer did. No, she, know had, did. she had the Cloak of Resistance from earlier. She had the Lyra Cloak of Resistance from earlier. Okay, so she... Honestly, had, yeah, yeah. Not, a lot of what Lyra had either overlapped with something Eclipse already had or wasn't of significant note. Sure. And then I did want to save this for last because this is my favorite one of it all. Uh, Ikmer also picked something up from Lyra. That's right. Uh, I think we, or I think I mentioned it uh, on the last episode. We all drew Harrow cards from the deck that Ikmer's been holding on to. Oh, <laughs> yes. What about, about Ikmer's uh, pretty tiara? Oh, yeah. that's right. The seashell oh, tiara. So, along with his incredibly luscious long hair, he has a headband to go along with it that makes him that much more charismatic. 
It's like Lyra never left. <laughs> I, was just, I was just all divided up across the crew. Yeah, we have a great party face option now. Pieces of Lyra. <laughs> Good thing you won't need that in book three. Good. Okay, uh, next up is coming from our buddy Rusted Chrome. I want to know from everyone if they had to multi-class what they would multi-class into. So, like, let's just assume, like, a forced multi-class. I mean, you already know mine. So, um, let's go first with a little Haley. Oracle. Really? Yeah. Good choice. Yeah, um, mostly because I think with Occultist being a psychic-based um, caster, I think it would give me a little bit different breath of range going to Oracle while kind of staying in that same kind of more psychic-y type. Yeah, you'd get a curse at first level and not many benefits. I'm all on board for that. <laughs> I know, you would be way excited about it, but... And your you charisma know. is not the best. I mean, it's still 14, but it's not the best. Yeah. It'd be a cool combo, though. Um, how about Brooks? Alright, Ikmer... Well, it's it's hard. I first thought that I would want to go into like an alchemist and do only like mutations, drinking like drinking mutations, but that requires intelligence. Yeah, you, you yep. couldn't so, extracts. <laughs> so yeah, so I I guess forced maybe because it would be fun. But not exactly possible. Uh, a brawler definitely would be pretty fun. Drunken baller, brawler would be even better. Um, and uh, possibly barbarian. By the way, I should make a note that when I said Oracle, possessed Oracle. That is an archetype of Oracle. Oh, yeah. It Beautiful. just makes sense. Sorry. <laughs> love it. Yeah, I, I love the, um, the Ikmer drunken master monk or yeah or like, yeah, yeah. yeah or drunken brawler there's actually a um there's a drinking version of barbarian oh. where it's like it's like raging drunk like when you're drinking yeah 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 uh you get extra shit when you're raging and They're have drinking. consumed alcohol yeah can you imagine awesome. can you imagine a, like a, like an rp moment where igmer runs into an encounter we roll for initiative he spends his first full round chugging a beer and then <laughs> and then just beating the shit out of people in a drunken rage with the, with empty the tanker, tanker. <laughs> yeah <laughs> well uh Ikmer's in his low or low mid teens right now and just wait till he gets into his late teens after he's <laughs> able to have a few beers without getting shit faced yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh, <God. sighs> okay emily what do you got for me I mentioned previously I was going to take a prestige class with Lyra this level uh, but that didn't happen so for Freya if I was forced to multi-class I think I would maybe go with Ranger to kind of help with some of her archery oh yeah that'd be abilities. Nice. yeah level a dip in Ranger get some of the like rapid shot many mm -hmm. shot stuff yeah but don't you dare step on Ikmer Matumbe's uh, survival checks that's right <laughs> Oh, I don't have the uh, intelligence for that. Don't worry. <laughs> survival wisdom. wisdom. You'd be good at survival. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'd be decent with that then. You'd be the best then. in the party yeah. at survival. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Unless oh. Matube decides to inspire himself for it. That's true. I want. I can't remember if Empiricist, that's, that's one of the ones that switches over at level two. There's a couple. I think yeah. it's diplomacy and Dis perception. Disable and... device slips, uh, flips over. 
I don't know. There's a bunch of flip the big over. one is perception works off of intelligence then for sure. Um, okay. We've got a lot of questions from you all at home know her as Deoxirio. However, on her, uh, her, her tag in our discord is team slurp queen slurp. If each party member had been possessed rather than just E, which one of the spirits would you pair with whom? Do you guys just want to go around and say which one you would want for your character? I feel like that's sure. that's a little interesting. I'm curious what you guys all would pick for yourselves. I'll go first if you guys don't mind. I actually sort of ish have two. I think the natural one to think about would be Father Charlatan. Like yeah, that's a no yeah, brainer. Sure. But I also, and in a funky head y way, I wouldn't mind like a Father or uh, uh, Mister Turner because of the Grotus aspect with Phrasma. I think would be a little interesting play there. Of course, we don't know if he's alive or dead, so <laughs> just hypothetically. Probably the former, I'm going to say. Let's go uh, clockwise here. Brooks, who's up? Well, first of all, uh, thank you very much. Uh, I mean, that's that's yeah. really nice uh, to think of Turner think like Turner that. and Father Charlatan are going to hit it off. <laughs> <laughs> they probably will. Um, I guess... Ikmer, uh, a possession that wouldn't be all too bad, I think, would be the uh, Griffin. Help me out. The dwarf that Moss had the hammer. Yeah. Yes. You've been using that hammer too. Like I tried to, I tried to kind of uh, judge this a little bit when when you guys got the cursed items. Yeah. And like you got the Mosswater Marauder's hammer. You got Father Charlatan's chains. Eclipse got both the Lopper's axe and the uh, the book and. Um, Lyra got the the Piper's pipe, but yeah, I I think that the Moss Water Moss Water Marauder uh, would be relatively fitting for Ikmer, just uh, in that almost stupidity rage that uh, that I guess I pictured him going through. Yeah, he also has issues with a woman in his life. Yep. That and uh, smashing skulls and then physically putting them back together. And that's <laughs> not how the humans work. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, next around the table would be Haley. But sorry, Haley. You already got a spirit. Actually, you got a lot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Emily, who would you pair with whom? I have to go with the Piper of Ilmarsh for two reasons. Uh, one, because Lyra was actually playing his flute during the combat, and that was that was the cursed item that she got. And he's also from Ilmarsh, so another uh, connection hmm. there with yep. him. From the same town. Yeah. Uh, Griffin, if you in real life were possessed by one of these people, who would you want it to be? Oof. I'd go Lopper, too. Oh. Just because I could do his voice better than any of the other ones. <laughs> All right. <laughs> if each PC were a creation in the sloths, which monstrosities would each one be spliced with? I don't know. Uh, Haley, what you got first? What would you want to be spliced with? I think Eclipse would want to be spliced with some sort of uh, giant raven. I think that would be kind of cool and now that she can actually fly she'd be able to use whatever weird wings and uh, and then I think a beak would give her a nice uh, bite attack 
I like that. <laughs> it make Aaron L jealous. <laughs> All right, uh, Emily. For Lyra, it would definitely have to be a creature of the deep. So I think the basilisk would be a neat connection with the water if it's contained to just creatures in the slosh. If it's outside of that, obviously the Nethalgu uh, would be a fun combination, which she kind of is now. You're saying that like it's not a thing. <laughs> yeah. uh, but for Freya, I think uh, she would be spliced with... Uh, some of the creatures from the fungi room having a corrupted kind of parasitic like growth I think would complement her story well. I think Freya would be perfect uh, spliced with the Araness because she's already like a mm. ranger. Oh, mm. she would be so powerful. Right. <laughs> that would be pretty good. Um, I'm actually going to steal my answer from it because it looks like in the sheet Brooks wrote um, one for everybody. I did. I'm going to steal your answer because for Matumbe, I, I really like it. Um, pair Matumbe up with the robot. Yeah, that'd be yeah, so that's good. so good. I, I, I can't. I, I'm sorry, Brooks, but I just couldn't top that. Cyborg oh, I had to do it. Yeah. yeah. Cyborg Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's what the people are asking for. Yep. Yeah, well, once we play Iron Gods, I guess I'll let you bring Matube back as a cyborg. Be incredible. Yep. Well, I have two things. Uh, Ikmer, I think it would be pretty pretty nuts and funny to be uh, for, pair, to pair him up with the ooze. Can you imagine <laughs> Ikmer just getting slashed and splitting into two <laughs> two slightly smaller Ikmers? Brooks, can you do an ooze-like Ikmer voice? I'm Dickmerler. <laughs> oh, oh, no. <laughs> All right, you, you, new corruption. <laughs> Fantastic. But I also, I also want to uh, point out how... Uh, how Emily called out to the fact that Freya uh, being more connected with children and uh, calling them parasitic growths. Uh, okay, so <laughs> her character, she follows Erastel, who is a farming deity, and so there's a lot of growing happening also with children, and it's a more of a corrupted form is what I was talking about. Oh, no, no. I, we don't I think need I to, understood it very well. We don't need to go into that territory. <laughs> we don't. All right. But, Brooks, can you run through all the things that you chose for all of us real quick? Because I think they're great. There's some wild shit in here. Okay. it's uh, So, we've gone over Ick, the Ooze, Matumbe, the Robot, Lyra, the Rustbugs, Freya, <laughs> oh, the no, no idea what to that. <laughs> all right. Uh, Saltwater causes rust. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I, and I, she also caused the room to open up, so she was working with oh, them already. Oh, that's really good. I didn't catch that at all. And well then done. I, I saw Eclipse uh, pairing very nicely with the uh, the bridge guard, like, dark angel. Oh, the uh, yeah. 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 That's kind of what she Fuck said. yeah. Because yeah. Eclipse would be so powerful that way. Yep. I, I really saw that. Okay. Um, the next thing our friend Deoxy Rio asks is, what room was your favorite encounter? I'm going to assume this just means room of the sloss, right? Yeah, I'm guessing, um, yeah. And, and because, you know, we've had a lot of player questions lately. Griff, how about you lead this off, dude? Sure. Yeah, my favorite room was easily the fungus room, because that trap <laughs> was not Ouch. in the book. That trap was not in the book at all, obviously. 
And, uh, you know, I, I got a kill, so I was pretty pleased. Actually, my my favorite encounter in theory you guys never triggered, and it was the... There's a huge air elemental on the trap on the first bridge mm. that's tactics are. It just picks you up and drops you over the side, and at that point, it's like you're falling 200 feet after getting attacked by a huge air elemental, drops you all off the bridge, resets the trap... You avoided it with the guard badges, but I think that one would have been really fun. Bad times. Uh, We're going to go clockwise for this one. So as for myself, I'm going to go the sarcophagus mimic with the mummy. Um, We were chatting with our buddies, Chris and Tim, uh, the week after we recorded that. And Tim especially was just gushing about that encounter, about how unique and awesome it was. I really loved it. I thought it was fun to uh, just churn through all of my gear. We had some very close moments with Lyra before her inevitable downfall. Um, And then we just had some other interesting stuff going on there. We almost got Eclipse blown out the hole in the floor with the Ring of the Ram. That was pretty wild. Um, it was it was a it was it was a good encounter. Eclipse running away from the party because she was at like six health. <laughs> yep. Oh, I'm just gonna freedom of movement myself off of his grapple and leave. <laughs> Later, you're lucky there was nothing up there. Other favorite encounters, uh, Brooks. You're next in the clockwise. I I am agreeing with Griffin 100. percent The uh, final fight I thought was the most fun. That's not what he said at all. But okay, I thought it was. No, I talked about the fungus room. Oh, the fungus one. Oh, never mind. The final, the final fight was great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but, yeah, I love the final fight. It was everything that I could have ever imagined, and it was beautifully played by everybody. Haley, what you got? The leeches and the vargoyles. Ooh. Yeah, that was... That, that was another split the party. Again, yeah. like these... It feels like the split the party thing keeps happening with us, and it's really fun to play an encounter like that. Yeah, because I... I in both situations, the final fight and that leeches thing, we were getting different combinations of people and seeing how the different combinations of abilities working together, like, actually synergized. It was really fun. Uh, Emily? Surprisingly, the fungi room was not my favorite oh, no. encounter. It wasn't, it wasn't. Not at all. It was just so unassuming. It was just like, oh yeah, just finding a bunch of plants. Dead. That's what got me. I was like, oh, I can purify the water. I have a swim speed. I can do this. No, I couldn't do it. It was not the case. No, it was awful. But anyway, uh, my favorite encounter, uh, the I guess room, was when Vivian came into the combat and I got to put my lab coat on. So that was my favorite part. Oh, so your favorite encounter was uh, stabbing me in the face. <laughs> I right. think it was neck. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry, neck. All right, cool. Um, next question from our good friend is, Lyra didn't want to be one of E's spirits. If E could have taken her unwillingly, how do you think the two would react? I want to hear from Emily, and I want to hear from Haley on this one. Uh, from Lyra's perspective, as was played out in the actual episode and what she had talked about with Matumbe previously, she did not want to be trapped somewhere. She wanted to be free to move on. And so if she would have been trapped, she would have been very mad at both Eclipse and Matumbe for letting that happen and also trapping her um, because she did not want that at all. 
Yeah, and I think it would be interesting because I knew she'd probably be angry, but I, at the same time, I feel as though would be very fascinating to hear and have Eclipse even try to deal with the fight that would inevitably happen between Lyra and the Lopper, but at that point in time, Eclipse would have a very powerful force of good in her head being Lyra, I, um, and the same to forces of good that she's always had in her head or has had in her head for a long time against the Lopper and at, at some point it would make me wonder if it would she'd start swaying a different way you would finally have the angel on your shoulder to counteract the devil on your other one yeah. that's a great perspective it. yeah what do you guys think move on or you guys have uh, a couple more things to say about this I mean I I discussed this with Haley before we did like that ghost scene. I was never gonna let that happen. I feel like that was just like kicking someone while they're down if I did that. <laughs> yeah, I never I never expected it to happen. It was more of a like I think that no matter what, this scene has to happen though. But I feel like I was kind of justifying it with like how angry the lopper got at like the notion of that. Mm-hmm. It was a great scene that played out. It, it totally made sense that Eclipse would want to keep her friends and then the Lopper would come in and try to stop that because it would be a very positive influence on... Lyra would have been a great influence on Eclipse. So to like push her even further away, it, it totally made sense. And I think we kind of... Uh, we kind of answered the the follow-up question to this, which would be, how do you think the Lopper would react? Not happy about it. No, wouldn't be pleased. He probably would have, you know, ended up taking over entirely then. I think he's, like, kind of just letting Eclipse control herself for now. If that happened, I think you would lose two characters. Next question... Uh, from Deoxario, if Saw found a perfectly willing person to be his wife, i.e. me, JK, how would he react? I don't know. This w- this is this is a tough one because uh, Saw obviously has complicated relationships with the women in his life, and um, so one a, a lady coming into his life, pursuing him. I don't know he if he'd know how to react to that. I don't think it would be in a healthy way. Let's just say that. Well, that person wouldn't <laughs> yeah. be healthy either, right? That's true. So, uh, so Steve, uh, yep. we're supposed to be talking about book two, right? Uh, did you leave this in here yeah. just because you wanted to answer it? Oh, I'm sorry. No, I just copied and pasted this all together. I don't oh, know. Okay. It, was, it was weird. I don't know how this is. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. He's blushing. He's blushing. I don't, I don't know how this got in Cut here. Uh, if anybody else but Lyra had died, <laughs> what would the party memorial beverage have been? Oh, boy. This is a good one, actually. Oh boy. Um, see, here's the thing because this has to be out of character, right? Like outside of the game because we didn't have a memorial beverage in game. Right. We drank a, a little bit of salt water. Um, I don't. I don't know. What do you, What do you guys think? Ikmer's beer. Yeah, I mean Ikmer. Yeah. Would, well, actually, I think, I think we would all have taken a shot for Ikmer. Yeah, I was thinking a beer in a tankard. Like you have to drink have to the tankard. tankard. Yeah, yeah. You should chug the tankard all in one go. Uh, for for Matume, he doesn't drink alcohol. Um, but 
you know, just to celebrate his passing, I might do something a little bit more botanical. I w- I could see a like uh, gin and tonic with cucumber. To be yeah. honest, maybe like maybe I don't know if you somehow like put a something a little bit more like f- uh, fruity in there. I don't know, maybe a lilac or f- like flavor in there somewhere. I don't know, something subtle, but yes, like I think chamomile. You're right. <laughs> I mean, chamomile could work, yeah. Um, get out of here. <laughs> I think uh, we established that Matumbe drinks tea, didn't we? Yep. Yep. When he's getting crazy, okay. I think. Yeah, something, oh, something real, like real yeah, nuts. Yeah. Real weird. You know, I could see Eclipse doing, well, I, to be honest, Jaeger bombs. Jaeger bombs. I was oh. going to say something like mysterious and dark. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so I've actually thought about this already and oh. have a drink that I plan to make you guys if Eclipse ever dies. Like, I already thought about this, and it's called a poison apple drink. Um, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's made, it's basically like a super, super dark, and then some people will even dye the rum, like, really, uh, they'll dye it like black. It's, so it's super black rum, and it's a glass of, like, hard cider, and then you put the shot of, like, really, really dark uh, rum. Some people will do another and they'll just dye a clear liquor and do that but uh and then you just kind of float that in and all the black kind of like seeps into uh the otherwise golden color Ooh, i think that's perfect. that's really that's cool. nice. I feel like i would have taken a black dahlia for uh for eclipse that uh double shot vodka <laughs> uh red bull oh yeah yeah. It's called a Black Dahlia, which is kind of how I think of Eclipse a little bit. But I think gotcha. we're all on about the same page, though. It's got to be a real dark uh, and strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dark and strong for sure. Do we have one for Freya yet? I feel like Freya is like a spoonful of sugar to let the medicine go down. Probably, yeah. A lot of, yeah <laughs> I, we didn't think she was a dizzy princess, but I think... Oh, I think are, it's Mary Poppins. I, <laughs> I think is the Mary Poppins was definitely an influence when I was uh, working on her character. Wow. I'll, I still I'll, do, think... I'll do a few shots of Robitussin if she dies. <laughs> oh, <tuss and laughs> shots. oh fuck yeah! <laughs> Good <laughs> Robo tripping. Hey, I mean, I I say, Steve, you're you're being soft. Let's let's go for some scissor scissor oh, no. or uh, some codeine. Oh no. But I definitely, I think, I think that she would be a hot toddy. That's a classic medicine of the South drink. Mm. I think that's what it would be. Nice. I can't disagree with that. That's mm-hmm. pretty good. I, I keep. I like to think about these. <laughs> these, these are good questions. Very smart. Very smart. <laughs> there any classic uh, Scandinavian beverages that we're missing? Oh, uh, Luda- <laughs> Luda- kind of Luda- has that like Lutefisk and uh, vodka, obviously. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> I just, I, I still think that, like, she's got to, I think that Freya has a secret flask on her. Mm. I, I really she's do. Well, she, you have to drink to deal with your party. Exactly. Yeah, yep. that, that sounds like some pretty traditional dwarvish racism. <laughs> <laughs> Traditionally <Drunks>. dwarves drink. <laughs> All right, so we can agree, uh, not quite as good as a saw question, but still a very good question. Uh, next up is Bipolar Pop-Tart. <laughs> Um, if all the other party members had become lycanthropes, what kind of animals would they turn into? What do you guys think? Oh man, I love this one. This is a this is a really good. And one. actually, I I have an alternative one for Ikmer. If if this wasn't like if if this wasn't such a huge part of Ikmer's backstory, and it was just like you know asking this question, I think a werebear is actually better for Ikmer because like he's that. a good character, and werebears are traditionally lawful good. Like, help the forest, help, 
you know, help people and they're a little more solitary than a werewolf. And I think that kind of fits Ikmer a little bit better. I think Eclipse would be a um, werebat. Okay, that's a good call. Yeah. Lyra obviously would have been a were shark. I think Freya fits the werebear motif as well as like kind of like a woodsy. You know, she basically is following Nick Offerman as a god. Um, <laughs> so, Matumbe. I think Matumbe would work really well as a were tiger too. Mm, you don't. Say. I think he's a little bit. I think he's a little bit. You know, he's from Osirian, and he's like. I think no, he not. would be. Oh, sorry, uh, oh, oh, the heart attack. There. Oh, Jesus. Oh. No, uh, but I, I think he's a little more like he—he'd be like a were panther. I think. Yeah, I like I, I like the were panther a lot. I think that's good mm-hmm. for sure. That's my two cents. Yeah, if if we if we're not constraining ourselves to the traditional where where things um i think matumbe would be a decent like it, it's got to be something from the milwaukee expanse right so like the where gurion i would Jesus, be about, just extra arms. yeah i would be about that that would be so fucking cool um brooks i know obviously you got the wolf thing going on i don't know if you had an alternate for that or you just want to say pass for this one I, I didn't have another one for for ikmer um I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'll say all of mine in a in a very quick shot uh, when everyone else is done. Uh, I did not go by the traditional uh, where. Oh, sweet, yeah. Things. Sorry, I, I tried yeah. to do mine with it. Like, I could actually apply this template to these characters, but yeah, feel free to go off the rails. Awareness, Al Goo for instance. <laughs> well, Lyra was definitely in my mind uh, like a were-crab slash net A were-crab. You know what? My opinion from uh, yes. earlier, that is the next t-shirt. <laughs> were-crab. Lyra the were-crab. Wow. Uh, Could you imagine that, like, uh, anamorph? Man, that Awful. transformation. Imagine if the the shell comes from the inside like the hair does on a werewolf. So I actually fall within the traditional. Okay, sweet. Right. A rat. A hundred percent. Okay. So yeah, like, Lao Shao Po and Yeah, yeah. Uh, it definitely follows with her deity mm. as well as another like kind of shadow creature. Um a close second would definitely be a bat, like you're right on there. Um but yeah, uh, definitely. I think a rat. I think I just thought bad of a rat with all the flying we just saw. No, how amazing would it be if I was both a were rat but could fly because of my abilities? Terrifying. <laughs> I right. have a heart attack if I went outside tonight and a, <laughs> and a flying rat flew at me. <laughs> a flying, a uh, small child-sized rat. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Should I do my quick shot? Do, do your yeah, shoot. All right. I originally thought Lyra as a dolphin. She's very oh, like ha- happy, yeah. joyful. Yeah. Uh, uh, Freya, uh, a hawk, wilderness type, uh, a werebear was was also very good. Matumbe, a water buffalo. Ooh, like, I like a that. Strong like that a standing, but when it like when it comes to real like defense, can really put the like uh, yeah put the hammer down. And Eclipse, as uh, ferocious as she is, a badger. Oh, wear badger. Yeah, that's perfect. All right, folks. If you had your own schloss, 
What crazy rooms would you have? Uh, what do you guys think? Let's go Haley first. I was I was gonna say, can Brooks please go first? I see his oh, answer. All right, it is it is nonsense. <laughs> Honestly, you. I don't I don't think anyone should answer this after Brooks. This exactly. Is whack. Go. <laughs> all right. Uh, it is going to be a room of poisonous mummies, so a poison on top of their mummy rot, uh, <laughs> with bear traps for arms or for hands, so that they can get a free grapple. I feel like right. Bruce is taking this question like, how, <laughs> you're supposed to live in the schloss, like Alpon lived in the schloss. Uh, he's a dangerous man. I mean, he likes, he likes to live dangerously, but it's just loose mummies, loose poison mummies yep. with bear trap hands. Oh my gosh. Yep. Uh, it brings all of my favorite things together. Never a dull mummies, mummies that are not affected by magic, and we hate them. Uh, poison, because... That's also ridiculous. And uh, free grapples, like we uh, free, or I guess a free attempt to grapple, uh, like we saw with the Promethean. Man, why isn't Paizo hiring this man? <laughs> All right, <laughs> for uh, freelance. Paizo, feel free to reach me anytime. <laughs> what do you call this? Oh, uh, well, it's a uh, poison mummy bear trap hand monster. <laughs> Um, you know, in case your party has a werebear, this one has were werebear traps. I I love you to death, Brooks. Um, you got a preface. I just, I just gotta say that this this answer for me goes the full 360 degrees, and that it sucks so bad, it's incredible. It's, it's so ridiculously bad that it's like just the best thing I've ever read. It's like the fucking room of answers. Oh boy, I I can't. I'm I'm refusing to follow up on yeah. that answer. Yeah, this is. I'm sorry, guys, to get us off rails there, but I needed I needed him to explain this. Uh, yeah, I feel like if I had a schloss, I would work on making it not dangerous so I could live in it. Maybe have a game room. Yeah, I think I think if we're going on like the themes of the rooms, though, like I seriously think what was missing was like the room of very small animals and creatures, and the room of very big. I think that Ooh. would be a very like two contrasting ones. So I mean, do, do you know about real estate prices? Like, you can't have a very big animal room. Yes. That's just way He's too big. He's literally in the mountains. He had yeah. five yeah. towers. <laughs> yeah, he lives in a and waterfall. They were full. They were full. <laughs> They're at just, capacity. You know what? Just shove them up on the mountains, and so when he looks outside, you can see them. Think of the construction costs. Man. Magic. Yeah, Moving got... on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, are we, ha we only have one question more for the gang tonight. Um, and I don't know how vague my friends Emily and Griffin want to be about this one. So this might end on a little uh, vague note here. This comes from Rusted Chrome again. I want to know what the fuckity fuck was up with the scales on Lyra's leg. That was not part of any additional corruption. And stop me, Griffin, if I'm going too far. This was just part of Lyra's oracle curse. You gain, you do get a negative from having a curse as an oracle, but you get benefits. And as you level up, you gain more benefits. So she actually gained a 
natural armor bonus because her skin started to toughen. And I flavored that as she was gaining scales on her leg because that was kind of mermaidy. Mermaidy, yeah. I know where this question is headed, and it wants some it wants some answers. And I'm only given willing to give one thing. Maybe this will get you a little excited for where that story is potentially going. Clear is not human. Leave it at that. Okay. So that's your answer, Rusted Chrome. Thank you for asking. Um, that pretty much wraps up everything we were about to talk about tonight, guys. So I just want to go around the table. I don't know if our guests, i.e. Brooks, Haley, Emily, have anything they want to say to the fans, any final thoughts about book two, any just shout outs, plugs, or really anything in general. This is your time to sound off before we sign off. Uh, let's go ahead, Brooks. I do have one or a, f- a few, really. Uh, we've gotten quite a few fantastic fan arts, uh, fan art drawings of of all of our characters, and including some NPC or uh, PCs played by Griffin, uh, Rusted Chrome. Uh, fantastic as always. Uh, newer drawings to us from Alexia. Uh, Thank you so much. And uh, Alex Giordano, we appreciate all of them so, so very much. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I got to send you guys a little extra love. Like, that's so above and beyond. We got we got so much art of Freya, like, right Real after. Fast, yeah. like, mm-hmm. like, right after you described her in, like, 75 and 76, we got some art of her, which is amazing because it's something, like, we want to be able to put up on the site and... Uh, so just know that we appreciate the hell out of you guys. It's it's completely above and beyond and awesome. Absolutely. Uh, and I personally love to see what they look like in your eyes. Oh, yeah. Like, I didn't have the best mental picture of Freya going in, but I definitely do now. Absolutely. Yeah, they did. Everybody did a great job of capturing her essence. All right. Haley? So I, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, I didn't uh, expect Eclipse to last this long. So I'm just appreciate all of the support and everyone really uh, enjoying the way that her character has changed uh, quite dramatically from when the story changed or started. So um, I appreciate that you guys are still sticking with this uh, little bit more chaotic story. <laughs> and, you know, if we ever play Hell's Vengeance, I hope you get to play the token good character. Yeah! Amazing. <laughs> That'd be great! Why am I here? Why are you doing these horrible things? Didn't we just get Hell's Vengeance in the mail, too? Uh, all six Ooh. books, baby. Emily, what you got? You want to say goodbye? Yeah, I just want to thank everyone for their support as I lost Lyra and also as I brought in a new character, Freya. It's been, uh, she's been received very well, so thank you for all of that. And long live Vivian. No. Um, (laughs) (laughs) What is invisible may never die because the party doesn't have to see invisibility. As for myself, all I want to say is I recently multi-classed, which is always such a big swing. You're doing a lot of big changes in your characters, but the people um, 
I really expected to hear from like five or ten, ten different turbo nerds how like I totally fucked up my character and I'm like shooting myself in the foot. But really all I got was a whole bunch of support and people being really excited for it. Whether or not it's the best choice I've ever made, people are really rallying behind it. And that was very validating. I did put a lot of thought and effort into figuring out what would work best and what would work best thematically with the characters so i'm glad people have responded well to that it means a lot thank you folks yeah it might be one of the most unique um multi-class combos i've ever seen <laughs> yeah it's uh it is he's one of a kind plus i think everybody was like well there's no more lower he can go than living grimoire inquisitor <laughs> 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 dube sucks <laughs> please multi-class into something else all right so that's my my little spiel here but as always um thank you to everybody who tunes in and thank you to everybody who is patient waiting for this episode to come out on thursday instead of monday we just had to talk about book two in its entirety and we couldn't do that justice without actually talking about episode 80 it would be ridiculous to talk about um this giant conclusion without talking about the conclusion um Griffin, how about you? Any any shout outs, any thank yous, any this, that or the other things before you say your final words for this episode? I just want to say proud of you guys for making it through. And I'm excited as hell for book three. I think book three is where Matumbe as an investigator is going to get to shine. I think where Ikmer is really going to have his time in the sun here as his arc kind of reaches a fever pitch. And I think there's going to be plenty there to learn about Freya and more updates and twists with what's happening to Eclipse that, uh, you know, if you liked book two, I think you're going to love book three. And I'm ready. I'm ready to be done with book two as much (laughs) as I loved it. And I'm ready to get into book three. And we're heading to the woods, baby. That's right. And for those of you who actually were excited when Emily said long live Vivian, make sure to refresh your RSS feeds on the 29th when we are going to be dropping the 14th installment of our evil interlude so you can hear her play that character again. In that spirit, long live Saw and Griffin. What do you want to tell the people back at home? Finish your drinks because we'll see you in two weeks, baby. Later. <laughs>